Hey there, Dunker Punks. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of the Dunker Punks podcast. My name is Emmett Wachowski Eldred, and I'm one of your hosts, along with Pastor Nancy Fitzgerald. If you're a regular listener to the show, you know that often I like to start out the episodes with a question for the listeners, and this episode's no exception. Uh, the question that I want to ask you um, today is a pretty specific one. Think of an organization in your community that is having a really positive impact in creating social change for good. I'm going to go ahead and let you think about that while we listen to some Dunker Punk's music from Jacob Krause. I don't want to be rich, don't want to be popular, don't want to be selfish, no. I don't want to be a goat, don't want to be ignorant, don't want to be blindfolded, I just want to be countercultural. be violent, don't want to have a vendetta, don't want to be vengeful, no. I don't want to be a soldier, don't want to be militaristic, don't want to help that cycle, I just want to be a countercultural pacifist. I don't want to be a racist, don't want to be a capitalist, don't want to be sexist, no. I don't want to pass judgment, don't want to hold grudges, don't want to be hateful, I just want to be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditional lover. I don't want to shop at Walmart, don't want to grow Monsanto, don't want to drink Coca-Cola, no. I don't want to burn petrol, don't want to eat perfect fruit, don't want to feel guilty, I just want to be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditionally loving organic gardener. I want to be authentic, I want to be radical, I want to be optimistic, honest, beautiful. I want to be humble, I want to be progressive, I want to be open, I'm inspiration, I want to be like John Wesley, or Sarah Major, or Anna Mao, I want to be like Martin Luther, or Martin Luther King Jr., like Santa Claus, Johnny Appleseed, Dirk Dillim, or Gandhi, Alexander Mack, John Klein, George Fox, or Jesus Christ, but mostly, I just want to be me. All right, thank you so much, Jacob. Now, the reason that I asked you to think about an organization in your community that is doing something positive is because recently I had the opportunity to sit down with a member of my community who runs an organization that's doing a lot of good. This was an interview that I did back when I lived in Pittsburgh. I live in Washington, D.C. now. Uh, But I got to sit down with Reverend Tim Smith, who runs an organization called Center of Life. Center of Life is a community organization in Pittsburgh. Uh, They do a variety of work, uh, but it's all centered around um, themes of economic and social empowerment. And specifically, they work with children and families. They do a lot of after-school programs, music programs. They teach micro-enterprise skills so that um, young people, when they're growing up, really feel a sense of ownership about the work that they create, the way that they spend their time, and they really learn skills that can help them contribute to their communities uh, as they grow up. 
Center of Life is based in the Hazelwood neighborhood of Pittsburgh, which uh, really has a story that mirrors the story of Pittsburgh writ large. At one time, Hazelwood was one of the epicenters of the steel trade in Pittsburgh, but as that industry declined, so did Hazelwood. People moved away because they lost their jobs, and when people moved away, businesses closed, and then more people lost their jobs, and more people moved away, and so on, until what had once been a really vibrant neighborhood of opportunity suffered from economic malaise and real neglect from the city's leaders. But the story of Pittsburgh is still unfolding, which means the story of Hazelwood is unfolding as well. Pittsburgh is in the middle of uh, what some people have described as a renaissance. Um, New industries, especially the tech industry and the healthcare industry, are really taking root and creating a lot of jobs and opportunity in the city. Unfortunately, that opportunity isn't always created equally. And Hazelwood, which has a high proportion of African-American residents, has sometimes been neglected um, from having its fair share of the opportunities that are being created in the city. Even so, community leaders in Hazelwood are stepping up and speaking out. They're saying all this new opportunity and investment that's coming into Pittsburgh belongs to all of us. And if industry and policymakers aren't going to give them a chance to participate, they're going to create that opportunity and take that chance for themselves. Reverend Tim Smith is one of those community leaders, and the work that he's been doing through Center of Life has had a real impact on the community, involving hundreds of children and families in the Hazelwood neighborhood. I was fortunate enough to be able to sit down with Reverend Tim Smith and talk this over, speak about the work that he's doing, and also dig in to the way that his faith uh, and the way that his role as a minister in the community um, has really guided the work that he's doing. So this is the interview I had with Reverend Smith. I hope you enjoy. Thank you. Could you just go ahead and introduce yourself? Okay, my name is Tim Smith. I'm the executive director of Center of Life, uh, which is a community-based organization based in the Hazelwood community. We do music and arts, education, athletics, family strengthening, and community partnerships. I'm also the pastor of the Keystone Church of Hazelwood. Um, could you go into a little bit of the history of Center of Life? When was it founded? Um, what was kind of your starting mission? Yeah, so COL was founded in 2001, October of 2001, and uh, we actually got our 501c3 in April of 2002. And um, basically the, the, the sort of inspiration behind Center of Life was, uh, there's a few things that inspired it. Um, the scripture part that inspired it was from Romans chapter 11. And that was uh, basically a doxology that Paul had given when he was talking to uh, some of the Gentiles who were feeling pretty good about themselves. And, um, but the, it's just basically the part that says, you know, of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And from that, I got, you know, the fact that, you know, God is the center of all of life. And, um, and that's where I got the name from. Um, the, you know, I think uh, my, the inspiration for me to, to do Center of Life had a lot to do with the fact that I was going into the pastorate and I did not want to just, I didn't want to be a conventional pastor and, and that, there's nothing wrong with that I, I don't see anything wrong with that anybody who, who is I, my hats off to them I think 
I admire pastors of any any group, you know, because it's a it's a it's a challenge. But uh, I needed to do it my way, and um, so that's another reason why Center of Life kind of came out of Keystone, and um, so Keystone and Center of Life are two different organizations, but we support each other, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I mean, obviously, I saw a lot of things that were going on in our world, in our city. Um, and I felt like I needed to, you know, felt like I needed to do something, you know. Uh, I felt like I, I grew up uh, not, I, I was not rich growing up, you know, very poor. But I think I had, I feel like I, I was benefited because I had really good parents. And I've met a lot of kids that, that didn't have good parents, didn't have good parenting in their lives, good leadership in their lives. And so, you know, they became the absolute authority in their lives much too young. And so, um, you know, I came to Hazelwood and and I tell this to everybody that I meet, I immediately entered the University of Hazelwood. And the people in this community became my professors and instructors, you know, and this became my university. And I learned what to do through Center of Life, through the people in this community. So pretty much everything that we're doing, you know, we kind of took instructions from this community, uh, from the youngest child to the oldest, you know, sort of seasoned citizen, you know. And, um, you know, so that's that's kind of the start, you know. <laughs> it's the short, it's the short yeah. version, but it's the start, you know. <laughs> could, you, um, could you go into describing a little bit of what uh, Hazelwood is like? Well, Hazelwood today is, uh, is a community in transition. Uh, there is a lot of attention that is being uh, given to Hazelwood right now as a result of the development that is down on where the LTV site used to be, 178 acres. Um, and uh, so when I talk about transition, I'm talking more about how Redevelopment goes into underserved communities and causes different things to happen. Uh, our community is a very tight-knit community, uh, and we're an organized community. We have a very strong uh, community group called the Hazelwood Initiative. We have an organizational group that meets regularly called the Greater Hazelwood Community Collaborative, of which I'm the chair. And, um, and through these groups, we... Um, we, we are like the gatekeepers for this community and we, we look to build partnerships with these developers and corporations and organizations that want to do things in our community. But we want them to make sure that we have a seat at the table in the beginning of plans, not at the end of the plans. And um, so we're looking out for the best interests of the people that live in this community. Uh, we we don't you know there's going to be some gentrification we we don't have a problem with that we, we we're one of the most diverse communities in the city anyway people don't really realize that but um, we uh, don't want to see people priced out of our community we don't want to see people who've lived here all their lives not be able to afford a home and um, be able to even work in this community at some point you know so building the relationships have been important and we, we we'll continue to do that. Could you talk a little bit more um, about the specific programs that Center of Life offers and, and how many uh, people you serve in the community? 
Yeah, so uh, we started off, uh, we, when we started, we were working with uh, some, you know, ex-inmates uh, and people who were uh, recovering uh, addicts, and we were doing uh, community projects around the community, whether it was cleanup, whether it was helping somebody fix their homes, uh, you know, whether it was lawn and yard work, you know, different things like that. Uh, we were doing that to help to kind of help people get back on their feet. And we also had a music program that we were running. So we were running a program where we were working with some kids who were, you know, really talented musicians and we wanted to help them to develop. And so um, we, have a, we have the music and arts program where we have a, a production company that we run. And in that production company we have musicians, we have dancers, we have producers, we have video, visual artists, <laughs> we have uh, rappers, um, we have beat makers, things like that. And, uh, and they, uh, they produce music, they produce videos, they, do, they produce shows, um, and um, we do records, you know, recording. We have, we have music playing in about seven different countries right now. And uh, we have about 15 albums that we've produced. Uh, we've gotten some awards over time. Uh, we have uh, the Just Plain Folks Award, uh, which is an online uh, piece for indie artists. Um, I think it was Best New Song. Uh, we got Best New Album from the Soul Patrol uh, in Philadelphia, uh, which is a Philadelphia-based um, online magazine, charting magazine for music. Uh, we also took uh, second place at the second place at the Monterey Jazz Festival uh, in 2011, and in 2012 we took first place. You know, so we've we've done some things. You know, um, in our music and arts piece, and um, we also have our academic programs. Uh, we have a program called Fusion, and that is a community home, community, and school collaborative that where we, uh, we work with the parents uh, to teach them how to do homework with their kids. Even though we do have tutors, university students and different ones that help out, uh, the key and the goal is to get the parent to a place where they can help their own child and be prepared to be able to deal with school officials if, if, if anything comes up, uh, build relationships and you know make it easier for them. And uh, so that uh, these programs, our, our music programs run pretty much five days a week. Our, our academic program runs four days a week. Um, and then we have uh, our uh, athletic program, which is connected to our academic program because what we try to do is teach academics through activities so that kids will have a practical understanding of what they're doing when they're doing an academic piece. Um, we feel like it's one of the best ways to teach kids uh, so that they'll know and understand. Uh, we know we have kids that come to us that with bad grades, but they're really smart. And we have kids that come to us with good grades and, and they're, they're struggling. And so what we want to find out is if they actually understand the subject matter. So no matter what grade they bring to us, our goal is to make sure that they understand what they're learning, you know. So um, that's, that's important. So it's, that's, that's Fusion and Crossover is the name of that program. And then we have our Family Strengthening Program where we meet with parents on a regular basis 
to talk to them uh, about all kinds of different things that they want to talk about. We work with them in the area of uh, helping them to get all their social services and things that they need, resources, uh, if they want to get continuing education, if they want to get better jobs, if they want financial literacy, all those kinds of things we work with them on. We do family retreats. Um, those kinds of things happen through our family strengthening program. And then um, the community partnerships, we partner with several organizations. We have a large network of organizations that we partner with in order to accomplish what we, we want to accomplish here, you know. So we, uh, by being connected um, throughout the city and in different parts of the country, it helps us to be able to do our job better here in Hazelwood, you know, and in Pittsburgh, because we, we don't just work in Hazelwood, we work in other parts of the city as well. So those are. So, um, so you clearly have a strong emphasis on children and on families. Uh, why do you think that you have placed your organization's emphasis in those areas? Because we feel like the family is the lifeblood of any community. And uh, if, if there's one thing that we need to build up, we need to build up families again. Uh, I feel like families have been under attack for so long. And like I said before, you have some kids who've grown up and they, they've had very little family structure. And without that, you know, they just choose the easiest route. You know, and sometimes the easiest route is the local drug dealer selling drugs, you get a gun, you know, you know, you commit a crime because it's just easy, you know. And um, so, you know, for us, we feel like we need to work with these parents and the children. You can't just work with children and think you're going to change, change things. You have to deal with the parents. And what we're dealing with in, in many of our underserved communities is it's not just racial discrimination. We're dealing with economic discrimination. Uh, everybody is impacted by economic discrimination. When a, when, a, when a city turns its back on a community, it does not provide it with the vital essential resources that it needs uh, just for people to be able to have the things that they need, like being able to go down the street and get healthy food or, you know, different things like that. You know, get gas in your car. I mean, education, when there's no schools, you know, different things like that. That's, you know... That's unacceptable. You know, every community should have the things that are essential and basic and vital, you know, to, to, to helping them uh, be able to provide for their families and grow, you know. And this is a, this is a challenge. This has been a challenge in this community. Um, it's changing. You know, we have new businesses that are starting to move in now and different things like that. We, we, we have programs in place for workforce development working with people to help them get the skills that they need to, to, to have a marketing uh, skill where they can get a better job. Uh, we have all those things that are in place now. And again, we're, we're partnering with organizations that will work with us, that are member organizations of our, 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 our Greater Hazelwood Community Collaborative. You know. So yeah, looking at your organization's website and some of the resources you put out, uh, you can definitely tell that economic empowerment is a very important piece of, of what you strive to do. Um, I was curious, but when you look at the actual programs you offer, definitely the, the one that seems like it gets the most emphasis or the one that's best known uh, from outside looking in is your music piece. So I was wondering if you could talk more about how music and arts education relates to uh, the economic empowerment um, mission that you have. Well, our, our music and arts program is a micro-enterprise. So the students that are involved in that program are actually employed by us. 
they get paid to do what they do. And what we try to teach them is um, that people don't pay for your practice. They, they, I'm sorry, people don't pay for your performance, that they pay for your practice. If you don't practice, people don't want to hear you. And so, um, you know, as a micro enterprise, we're teaching them the fundamentals of running, a, running their own business, uh, whether it be small or large, and all the different components that go along with that. We're also teaching them how to take their own God-given ability and use it. Uh, and, 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 and we connect that, that ability to opportunity, opportunity for some, some quick successes. And then we connect the, the uh, opportunity to education so that we can turn that God-given ability into a skill. And then we connect the um, education to career so that we, you know, so we can show them a clear path to doing what, they, what they're spending so much time practicing and doing. So we don't want kids to choose music as a second option. We want, them to, we want to say, if you want to go into it today, you can go into it and really be successful. You can really make a career out of it. And, but it's not just the music. I mean, we have kids that are involved in this, again, that are in visual arts. We have kids that are, want to focus in on just the business aspect of it, the laws. Um, we have kids that focus in on the money, you know, and um, the promotions, the social media part, just all of that, you know, the uh, marketing. Um, so it kind of helps these young people to... Uh, to think about what it's like to own their own situation or to what I call controlling your own economy. Uh, we want to give them a fish, but we also want to teach them how to fish so that they can feed themselves and, and, and their families and maybe somebody else's family. But then we take it two steps further and we want to teach them how to own the pond that they're fishing in so that they can put somebody to work, you know. Uh, and then when we teach, and then the last part is to teach them how to create new ponds to own, and that's when you're controlling your own economy. And so, um, you know, that's 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 the that's the music and arts program here. That's what it's really all about. And I I would like you to just kind of conclude by um, I know you mentioned about the the Romans passage that I think really underpins why you do what you do. But could you talk just a little bit more, maybe a little bit more broadly, about kind of the faith principles that have really inspired you to take up this ministry and, and this approach? Sure. Um, well, you know, for me, uh, I tell people all the time, I'm not a very religious person, but uh, I'm a follower of Christ. I believe that um, uh, walking with God is is, is, is just that. It's, it's a walk. It's a... It's a, it's a journey. Um, it's more than a church service. It's more than um, having, you know, you know, ritualistic services and things like that. Um, and as James put it in, 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 in the epistles, um, show me your faith, you know, and I'll show you my faith by my works. And I honestly believe that faith without works is dead, you know, uh, because it is alone. It's just us telling somebody to go and be filled by faith when they're hungry. And, and the Great Commission is to feed the hungry and to clothe the naked, <clears throat> to visit the prisoner, to give water to the thirsty, you know, um, to visit the sick. That's the Great Commission. Uh, it, the Great Commission is less about preaching and, and more about living uh, our faith, you know. And I believe we should live our faith. 
Um, and I believe through Center of Life, we're able to do that. You know, we're able to live our faith. We're able to show people why, um, why we, we walk with God, you know. Um, and we also show them through Center of Life how thankful we are that God is in our lives. And that whether you, you, you don't have to join our church to be served, we're going to serve you. You know, we're going to do whatever we can to, to help you get to where you need to get, you know. Um, <clears throat> because it's not about you turn around and giving something back to us. It's about you being able to recognize that, you know, God does love you, you know, because of the things that are, are you know, the resources that are coming your way. You know, it's not about us. It really, it really is about God um, and how God reaches out through people. Everything is about people. That's our, that's our model, you know. Everything is about people. And uh, without people, there's no purpose for us to be doing what we're doing, you know. It's about living the gospel. Uh, I absolutely believe in the preaching of the gospel. Absolutely. Uh, but I think that, uh, you know, the person who's hungry can hear you a lot better if you give them a sandwich, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, some water. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and that's like whatever, you know, whatever. The gospel to a, a person who doesn't have education is education. That's gospel, you know. I mean, you know, the gospel to somebody who has no friends is friends. Somebody who can be a friend, you know, company, companionship, you know, I mean, on and on. Um, and Jesus showed that throughout his time when he was here on earth. You know, he showed what it means, you know, to to do the gospel, to be the gospel, to live the gospel. You know what I mean? And um, so that's, you know, without going into preaching, that's what, it, that's what it's all about for us. You know? All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Once I was getting ready to leave uh, after our interview, um, Tim asked me to turn the recorder back on because he had a few more words to say. Um, so this is the this is the second part of our conversation. So this is connected to the beginnings of our work. When I first sensed the call to come here and pastor, it was it was in 1999, and there were four questions that uh, I believe you know God had kind of given me to think on. Uh, the first question is, what did Jesus say he was going to do? The second is, what did he do? The third is, what did he tell us to do? And the fourth is, what's he going to talk to us about when we see him? And the answers to all those questions are in the gospel, are found in the gospels. You know, what did Jesus say he was going to do? You know, you'll find that. <clears throat> I believe it's either Luke or John. I'm sorry. But it's uh, where, where Jesus gets up in, and when he starts his ministry, he gets up in the synagogue and he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to take the gospel to the poor, you know, and on and on and on. And the second question is, what did he do? Well, he did just that. You find Jesus taking the gospel to people in relevant ways, in ways that they can see it and touch it and feel it and taste it, you know. Um, the third question is, what's he going to... Uh, what did he tell us to do? Well, you find that in Mark 16 where he says, go into all the world and take the gospel to every, you know, every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, on and on, you know. And then the fourth question is, what's he going to talk to us about when we see him? And what he's going to talk to us about is not so much the preaching of the gospel, but he's going to say, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. 
when I was in prison, you visited me. You know, when I was thirsty, you gave me water. You know, so it's. I think it's less about speaking and more about doing. And when you do, you earn the right to speak. I just want to say another big thank you to Reverend Tim Smith for taking the time to sit down with me and have a conversation about the work that he's doing and the way that his faith principles play into that. I hope that you were as inspired as I was when I originally had this conversation and once again when I got to listen back to it now. Something that's been sticking with me as I've been thinking about this conversation is when Tim talked about not just giving a person a fish, not just teaching a person how to fish, but teaching a person how to own the pond, and then to create opportunities for others to do so as well. I think that shows a real imagination that has been missing in a lot of our conversations centering around politics and even um, faith and even the goings-on in the Church of the Brethren. So often, we frame things as a zero-sum game, as a battle between winners and losers. If we're going to get our way, it means everyone else can't get their way. If we're going to end up on top, it means everyone else has to end up on the bottom. If we're going to be blessed and benefited by this, it means everyone else is going to be hurt and cursed by this. Of course, that's pretty toxic thinking, and it's done a lot of harm. I think a lot of the partisanship we see in our politics, a lot of the tribalism that we see in our religion, it really boils down to a real lack of imagination and a real failure to understand the way that God intends us to live in communities that support one another and build each other up. The flawed logic of the zero-sum game is that in order for me to get what I want, you have to not get what you want. There's only so much to go around. There's only one way we can do things. But lately I've been thinking a lot about how Jesus subverts our expectations about limitations and competition. Ultimately, violence, war, deceit, aggression, selflessness, these terrible impulses boil down to a fear of the finite of being worried that if we don't get, if we don't hoard, if we don't take, if we don't steal, there's not going to be enough left over for us. So Jesus subverts that expectation. He creates something out of nothing to show us that in the way of Jesus, there is no need for competition between people that creates winners and losers. At Jesus' table, there is always enough. Think about it. The very first miracle that the Bible ever records Jesus performing is turning water into wine, creating something out of nothing. Later in his life, scripture tells the story of Jesus feeding a crowd of 5,000 people with nothing more than a loaf of bread and a couple of fish. I believe that what is really transformative about that story isn't so much the miracle, the metaphysical thing that Jesus did, but rather the radical notion that in a real community centered around Christ, there is no person that needs to go without. Recently, I got to watch Sister Simone Campbell talk about economic inequality, and she came back to this story of the 5,000 being fed. And she said something really clever that has stuck with me ever since. She said, I've always thought that the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 
was sharing. In her reading of the story, it's not some supernatural act that Jesus performs that is the real point. It's the fact that people passed around what they had and what they were given and made sure that everyone could eat. And ultimately, they ended up with such abundance that they had baskets left over. That's the work that Tim Smith is doing. He's creating something out of nothing. He's tearing down this assumption that in order for me to succeed, you have to fail. In order for my economic situation to be stable, yours has to be unstable. In order for me to have a job, you have to be unemployed. That's flawed logic. And more importantly, that is just not how it works in God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, every person has enough. In God's kingdom, every person has opportunity. In God's kingdom, every person can thrive. And in God's kingdom, if you aren't fulfilled and content and whole, then neither am I. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of the Dunker Punks podcast. My name is Emmett Wachowski Eldred, and I'm one of your hosts, along with Pastor Nancy Fitzgerald. Our audio was edited by Kevin Schatz, and this episode was produced with the help of Emmy Gehring. Our executive producer is Suzanne Lay, and our Dunker Punks music is by Jacob Kraus. The Dunker Punks podcast is created by a team of contributors from all over who are creating stories and witnessing to the way that God's kingdom is working and growing here today. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, you can go to arlingtoncob.org dpp, or you can find us on iTunes or Stitcher. And by the way, if you do like what you're hearing, please be sure to rate and review us so that more people can see and learn and hear about what we're doing and talking about. You can find the Dunker Punks podcast on all social media at Dunker Punks Pod, and you can contact us at dpp at arlingtoncob.org. Thank you once again for listening, and I hope you'll join us again soon.